Hello everybody and welcome back to Undressed by Stitch. <laughs> if you're new here and you don't know who we are, Stitch is Northwestern University's premier fashion publication. Make sure you check us out on our Instagram at Stitch Fashion as well as on our website at stitchfashion.com. Hi, I'm Yola and today I will be talking to... Hi, my name is Jay and today we are going to be talking about black culture and its relevance in pop culture. This issue is our 15th anniversary of Stitch. Stitch started in 2006, which is a long time ago. And so um, we're really talking about, you know, the importance of acknowledging and celebrating black history as it relates to culture and fashion and everything in between. Yeah. Um, so as Jay said, we'll be celebrating the works and the especially the creativity of people from the African diaspora. I am the African, he is the diaspora. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Um, so how has black culture shaped pop? You're asking me just like in general? Yeah. I mean, I think basically the, the, the moral of the story is like black culture in America becomes popular once it's no longer associated with black culture, I think, is, is like there are things that are taken that black people in America did first for their own reasons, whether or not it's for entertainment, for survival, for community. Um, and then those things are usually seen as not acceptable um, to a white society. And then somebody who's prominent in a white society will take that, appropriate it, and make it generally accessible um, and usually popularizing whatever it is. I think that's kind of just happened over and over again. Yeah, and because of like American hegemony and just like imperialism when white culture has essentially just appropriated black culture, it sort of disseminates everything else to the rest of the world. That's why you see things that originated from black culture, for example, hip-hop or jazz or several other things that we'll be talking about in this episode, are literally everywhere in the world. And now it's just mainstream. But um, let's talk a little bit about music. And since you're a musician, you probably know more than I do. <laughs> well, I wouldn't short sell yourself. I think, you know... Music is a huge part of, I mean, I dare say every culture, but um, as Yola said, I am a musician. I, I make pop, hip-hop music, and I also compose for um, various Shameless projects. Plug. And so, oh, absolutely, always. You know, you got to know the credibility of who you're talking to. Why should you care? Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I personally, um, as a black artist and musician, um, I've been confronted with a lot of different um, thoughts about what makes music, what it is, and how it relates to the culture that it's surrounding, and, and who's listening, and who's making it, and does that matter? So, just a little bit of a really brief history lesson, catching everybody up to speed. We're going to start with what I believe to be the two most prominent um, genres of music that were started by black people, and then kind of became part of American culture in general. Um, the first of which being jazz, uh, which was developed in the early 20th century in New Orleans, um, and it played a really key uh, role in the development of music at the time. Um, so the way that people would usually put it back then was that jazz was an expression of oppression. So people who were oppressed, who were trying to have an emotional outlet, would kind of resort to jazz. It wasn't even called jazz at the time, but that's what we later 
decided to call it. Um, and it was also uh, relevant for blues. Blues being, you know, when you feel blue, if you've heard that term, um, that is the music that comes from that sadness, that, that real sadness. And so that's like the somber original place that jazz came from. You know, it was seen by white audiences at the time as a deviation from mainstream because jazz would take songs that you knew and kind of turn them on their heads, maybe add an improvised verse or some other musical aspects that were not popular at the time. But over time, um, jazz was seen by white audiences um, and later was accepted and lauded basically in American society. Um, and what that basically means, anytime American society as a whole takes over something, um, it's basically gentrification, um, unfortunately. And so, you know, now we have you know, uh, institutions like Northwestern, where we have a complete jazz program um, that obviously consists of mostly white dudes who, I'm, I'm not going to lie, are pretty <laughs> nice with it. But um, it, yeah. it's definitely not, you know what? Yeah, no, I mean, like, I've been to the Northwestern jazz concerts, and um, I really thought they were absolutely amazing, but I was just, like, shocked. I was like, <laughs> where... Where are our people, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, it, it's it's difficult to, you know, it's like on one hand you want to be, you're like, oh, well, I'm glad that it's here. You know, I'm glad that it's acceptable and it's it's fun, but yeah. you just look around and kind of realize, well, wh where are the people that started this, you know? Um, and it, I mean, it doesn't even stop at Northwestern's jazz program in the Beanin School of Music. Um, you've got it really integrated into pop culture and jazz being this this thing that you know we all as Americans own and so we've got movies like Whiplash and La La Land um, that are in my opinion narratively great movies I, I love yeah. them I, I really like them um, but it really speaks to the normalization of jazz outside of the culture of yeah. the blues and where it came from and it's now just like oh that's a style I can play you know that's something but I can do but also, did you notice how, like, everything that is now considered, like, stereotypical American culture actually originated from black people? If you think of mac and cheese, where did that come from? <laughs> like, you know, things like that. It's like, the, it's like, well, it's not the little things, but it's like, whenever you think of American culture, I would say eight times out of ten, it originated from either through the people who are enslaved or just through black culture. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't know exactly how I can quantify that, but I, I get your point. Like, it's a lot. There's a lot of things um, that come from black people that kind of um, is popular now. And speaking of which, probably the most obvious and simultaneously the saddest um, musical example of, of black culture being integrated into American mainstream is hip-hop. You know, hip-hop music or <laughs> what? I have something to say about hip-hop, actually. Because hip-hop also up? originated from something else that we have. Well, because I'm from the actual African continent. It's like this type mm -hmm. of call and response type of praise poetry that we have. So, but I'm also from South Africa, so I'm not going to generalize. But where I'm from, it's like normally you have an orator, someone who's like really loud. Everybody sits around in a circle. They speak. It's like mm -hmm. a call and response type of thing. There's a rhythm to it. And that, because it's quite popular was quite popular around the continent because of like migration um and then yeah. through the middle passage it made it, it it made its way to the united states and that's how that's like the early beginning or like the early origin story of absolutely yeah for the from the research that i did um i was looking at you know where did in america did hip-hop originate and i was surprised to find that um 
I don't know why. I just don't know what I expected, really, that um, hip-hop was kind of really popping up in the Bronx in New York in the 70s. Um, and also, to me, the 70s, just especially comparative you know, to jazz, which was coming about right at the turn of the 20th century, um, I'm kind of surprised to see that hip-hop started, like, comparatively, like, not that long ago at all. Started in oppressed communities, bringing people together at block parties or, you know, other kinds of things like that. Um, and it integrated itself into the genres that were popular in every location. So as rap um, or hip-hop, you know, um, people use them kind of interchangeably, but they're not exactly um, hip-hop being like a musical style and rap being rhythm and poetry um, as an acronym, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it would integrate itself into the genres that were popular in locations. So if you were to go to the West Coast at a point in the 80s and you were to go on the East Coast and people would be making hip-hop music, that would not sound very similar at all. Interestingly, though, hip-hop and jazz being music made from oppression, but the difference with hip-hop um, and the reason why I personally think it had the potential to grow as much as it did was because contrary to jazz, rap culture wasn't exclusive to the black experience, but rather by hardship in general. And so obviously in America, those two things kind of go hand in hand a lot of times um, because of the history of black people in America, but it wasn't exclusive like jazz. So it was, like I said, it's important to note that people partaking in hip hop culture were black, um, but there were people who weren't that also gained respect in that community from being from the same place. Um, and so, you know, as this kind of thing got bigger and bigger, rap begins to be commercialized um, and it and it starts to take on this rags to riches narrative. Basically, every song you hear in the 80s, 90s is about hardship that somebody overcame, you know, and then um, they, they're talking about like, yo, I made it out and, and yeah. kind of pushing that narrative into the mainstream a little, even more. Quite literally, started from the bottom, <laughs> still here. <laughs> right, you could say, you could say. <laughs> here we are, here's the, the Americanness of, of this genre of music, right? So the thrusting of rap into the white mainstream is accredited to Marshall Mathers, who goes by Eminem, who was an MC from Detroit, who basically was like the first good white rapper, and so, you know, like I was saying, I'm, I want to note he was not the first white rapper. I think he was probably <laughs> the, the first, first good. good one. Eminem, this white guy who comes out, pops off, um, does a really great job in Detroit. And all of a sudden, people are taking into consideration this entire culture that they put off for being ghetto or for being dangerous or for being all these things. Exactly. He's not even... I, I would even say that his lyrics and expositions were far worse than most of the rap at the time. It was very explicit. Hot take. And it was, I, I don't think that's a hot take <laughs> at all. Um, and so, I mean, but it was just the face. And Eminem acknowledges that. Um, and so uh, in 2017, here we are, you know, now in past, past that 2000s mark, hip hop music is now the most popular genre in the U.S., which means that, for all intents and purposes, hip-hop music is pop music, which is crazy. Like, when you think about pop... I know when I personally think about pop music, I'd love to hear what you think. Like, when I think about pop music, I think about rock. Like, I don't know why. I think about rock no. sounds. No, Like, I mean, I, like, rock-inspired. You know what I mean? Like, No, if when you were I think compare, about pop, I think of, like, Taylor Swift, <laughs> um, Harry Styles, yeah. like... That. Yeah, that's. I think they're definitely <laughs> both rock inspired. Is it? 
when I think yeah. of rock, I, I mean, more my than mind hip-hop. automatically goes to Nickelback. <laughs> I don't know. Why. No, 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 no. I mean, that is that is like classic rock. But yeah. I mean, like, I, I think about like you know guitars and yeah. and singing and yeah. Yeah. those very basic elements of like rock. And because yeah. I mean, pop is not ever a genre. Pop was jazz in the '30s. Pop yeah. was disco in the '80s. Like. But I feel like we only can look in hindsight and then name those genres. Like, it wasn't called disco when it was disco. It was pop, which is crazy. And so, I mean, now here we are, hip-hop music. Almost every song you hear except Driver's License um, (laughs) on the top 10 has some kind of elements of hip-hop, which is insane. Um, And so, you know, through, um, through, though in some of its communities, rap holds on to its sacred nature, you know, there are those who do rap and they acknowledge, you know, the greats from people past, Tupac, Biggie, those guys, you know. Um, largely, rap is now just another commercialized element um, of pop culture. And some of the most popular hip-hop artists um, who are white have even mentioned that their decision to make hip-hop music was more of a business move than a passion for them. I mean, I'm talking about Post Malone who said, you know, I really like rock music, but my manager told me that hip hop was the way I was going to make the most money. And yeah. I mean, if there's anything that we know about Americans, it's that they <laughs> love their capitalism. So, I mean, you know, my closing thoughts about the music aspect of culture and where black people fit in is that on one hand, you know, it's great. It's great to see the elements of black culture being synonymous with American culture at this point, with hip hop music being pop. Um, but the issues is that it's taken recognition from white people and appropriating those things for it to be finally deemed as accessible and like not even to bring up you know culture and fashion which yola is going to talk more about um it's only the tip of the iceberg really yeah because like when you were talking about the music thing another thing that i was thinking about is just like elvis presley like this mediocre white man who literally stole almost everything from chuck berry but who do we learn about um, yeah, so that was Jay talking about music because he said he is credible because he's a musician. I'm going to be talking to you about fashion and beauty because I live the I live as a beautiful woman. Right, because as you know, Yella is a fashion model, so that's yes. why she's very credible. <laughs> I'm kidding. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about that I actually noticed a lot more popping up recently is like acrylic nails and long nails well jay feel free to chime in you've seen this too you have instagram um but like we talking about the asmr (laughs) no because oh we're not even gonna go there because that's what i'm thinking about when i hear acrylic nails i'm thinking about (laughs) you know what i mean um no like acrylic nails like to give you a little history was actually largely associated with black women in the 1970s in 80s and were popularized by figures such as Diana Ross um but also they became like a way to epitomize black culture but also a black subculture within black culture so it was mostly through the um salons that you would see in mostly low-income neighborhoods but then nail art (laughs) is art which I'm sure everybody who's listening knows this already because we all have Instagram and you see how beautiful nails can be nail art is art and um, I'm not sure when this happened. I think it was like either mid-90s or late 90s where the MoMA actually commissioned for a set of nails to actually be done, like art on them. And it's just like the dollar. It looks like the dollar on like the, the set of nails. And it's still on wow. display at the MoMA. I have seen it. <laughs> 
It is still on display. It is absolutely. What's the review? My review? Yeah. I would give it a seven out of ten. I mean, there was also a Matisse. Just like compared to what <laughs> the the best art piece that exists I mean, ever. I mean, okay. I mean, there was also the Starry Night at the moment. There were like you know, Picasso. I mean, okay, mm. <laughs> it it was beautiful. Seven out of ten. I w- I would give it a seven out of ten. But solid, the thing, solid. But the thing is, even though it has been like considered art to the point where it's put in an actual fucking museum, um, people at the time and well, not so much today, but people at the time viewed it as very like trashy and like associated with the quote ghetto which is honestly just an interesting way of expressing classism and just a specific form of sexism but the specific form of sexism is called misogynoir which is a type of misogyny that's actually wielded against black women because of intersectionality we know that um identities are not additive it's like i'm not black and a woman i'm a black woman so your experience is colored by the fact that you are a black woman so misogynoir is very different from white misogyny in that you are also attached with labels of like class and like education and all of those things um and it's just terrible 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 but recently your faves are wearing acrylic nails your kardashians kylie all the time um they are my faves how did you know that (laughs) <laughs> no it's just a saying <laughs> but oh, you know thank you for sharing with the group <laughs> maybe we can we can cut that part out <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing with the group um your faves are now like wearing acrylic nails and everybody's wearing acrylic nails and it's like great in a sense like what jay was talking about like it's great that this has made it to the mainstream but it's also not great to the point where it took white people or like visibly white people or like visibly like white passing people to make this a trend or to make it seem like a trend or to make it seem more acceptable in society when black people have continued to do nail art and um have done it in the past and can continue to do so and still face discrimination and are still labeled as trashy and as all of these other terrible terrible things and this is where like appropriation becomes a problem because we can we can agree that for fashion and music to evolve it has to like borrow elements from like other places and that's great because we're mm-hmm. all learning about each other and things are great but the problem is when you don't acknowledge where it came from and the people who actually started the so-called trend don't receive the same benefits i i was just gonna say you know what this reminds me of is when i when i heard this song that ariana grande released ariana Seven grande Rings. needs to be vacuumed <laughs> just saying i don't even um, want to understand what you were trying to say with that statement but if you know you know <laughs> But yeah, I guess if you know, you know, but I was just thinking like that one line, like you like my hair, G thinks I bought it. I'm like, wow, imagine, imagine. And I remember hearing my, my white friends at my high school, all the white girls like singing to this song. And I'm like, oh, what happened to weaves being ratchet? Like, or like extensions, hair extensions, like all of a sudden they're okay. When your girl Ariana Grande is talking Mm -hmm. about it. I didn't even know Ariana Grande was white. Until, like, 2018. This is why like, I said she needs to be vacuumed. <laughs> there's, like, this whole meme what? on Twitter. Wait, there's this whole meme on Twitter that I saw. It's, like, this video of this teddy bear, this brown teddy bear, and someone is vacuuming and, like, Stop. sucking off <laughs> the whole thing, and Stop. then it becomes white. It's, like, wow, Ariana Grande. But, like, you know, even... Okay, never mind. <laughs> Continue with your thought. <laughs> no, that was, that was... I was just, like, that's what that reminds me of. Like, oh, now it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, like, in terms of, like, appropriation from, like, larger powers that be, I wanted to talk about Logomania. 
If you don't know what logomania is, it's when like you're wearing designer clothes and you just have the logo everywhere. Um, that was started by black people. So there's this person um, named Dapper Dan who owned a store in New York and he would sell knockoff designer clothes and he would put the logos on everything. He would put the logos on clothes, he would put it on furniture, he would literally put it everywhere. And um, because of like the rags to riches narrative that was associated with hip hop at the time, and this was like very popular around the time when hip hop was coming up, a lot of rappers and like a lot of hip hop artists started to endorse it and you would see it all the time. Um, like for example, if you look at old videos of Aaliyah who's just like wearing, is it Phila? Like from head to toe and people just wearing mm-hmm. like the same brand from head to toe. Um, but even though, well, Logomania was technically doing something that's illegal and his store was right. shut down. But then fast forward a couple of years, guess who's doing the same Logomania? Mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton, Gucci, all these big brands, literally, I mean, to be fair, he was stealing from them. But the idea of Logomania was started <laughs> by black people. See, I mean, this is a this is a hard one because on one hand, like I get you. It's like, yo, we're taking the ideas from the black people. I Again, in principle, bad. I will say... Logomania as a whole could have stayed in the drafts, if you know what I'm saying. I still look at look. I I think for me, I know people like to flex the logos. I get it. I get it. The hypebeast culture. To me, to me, I still I still don't really mess with it. To me, it's very indicative more of like people trying to flex a lifestyle or like a, a tax bracket. Really, like it's not to me. I mean, this is a completely. We'll have a podcast about this later. But like, that's the difference to me. Of like drip and fashion, like different things. If you have money, you can have drip. Like you can just buy the most expensive stuff. Does that mean that you put any thought into it, or you really care about what you're wearing, or does that tell anybody about you, your personality, or does it just tell that you like, hey, I'm making money, like, or I like to spend it on clothes? I don't know. That's I I, I still hey I'm still an ally. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> an ally for Logan the drip culture. <laughs> we won't even go there. Just okay. Continue. Let's not go there. But um, another one that I want to talk about is hoop earrings, because <laughs> this one is a touchy subject for me. Um, because oh. hoop e- yes, because hoop earrings again largely associated with the black culture, but also with um the Latinx culture, especially in New York. Um, and again, this was seen as very ghetto, and we see how um, even in like old cartoons, like when they would draw minstrels, they would always put gold hoops on them. Um, it was just like always seen as like a derogatory thing by white culture, um, even though it was something that black people wore, well, not in the minstrel times, but like, you know, over time they sort of like reclaimed it. Um, and then again, seen as ghetto, but if you see, it's just like, it irritates me so much, but like when you see, um, your, um, your Kardashians wear it and then it's just like, wow, look at this thing again. It's so cool, whatever, whatever, whatever. And yeah, that's actually quite problematic because now less so, maybe because I'm not in the spaces where this would be seen as a problem, but when black women wear hoop earrings, they're still seen as ghetto and they're still seen as trashy and they're still seen as that. But when white women do it, they're seen as cultured or, ooh, look at this new trend or they're trying something new. And that's just been consistently the trend with like beauty culture and like, um, fashion and the slug, you know, some honorable mentions that we didn't have a whole lot of time to talk about. It's like box braids, your weaves, your wigs, your afros, your waves and your edges. That's just, yes. 
And then your nameplate necklaces and chains, your chunk, your chunky jewelry, your grills, your tooth gems, Y2K fashion that everyone is like raving about right now. That specific <laughs> part of Y2K fashion actually came from black people. White people Y2K fashion was um, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake wearing a Canadian Canadian tuxedos. Yes, <laughs> the sneakerhead, the sneakerhead culture, your baggy clothes, aka like. Please, Billie Eilish, like everything's your velvet okay. tracksuits, the ones that the ones that say "juicy" at, at, at the back. All well, of first that. First of all, not necessary. But, <laughs> but let me just say, I gotta, I gotta see. I'm not even like trying to rep her like that, but Billie Eilish's thing with her baggy clothes is a completely different conversation. Yeah, I know, I know. But like the way she dresses, also is very. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. But the way she dresses is also reminiscent of like '90s hip hop culture. All these trends that we see are great that you know it's like in the mainstream but where did it originate from you may be you may not have been aware but now you are so so what do we want people to do you know this this black history month how how do we how do we move forward now knowing where our trends come from knowing kind of you know paying dues to like who started these things and like how, how do you think that should manifest in behavior yeah I think part of it, okay, now that we do know, it's just like gaining a sense of appreciation and not gentrifying. You know all these tic- the TikTokers our age who firstly also gentrified AAVE and it's just like, what? Um, so I think there is a very thin line between appreciation and appropriation and it's fine if things have made it into the mainstream. Just like, I would say, just like, now that you know where things come from, you understand how long and how much of a struggle it was for the people who actually started this to be able to feel accepted into mainstream. And sometimes they still aren't. So it would just be to recognize that and to recognize the insane amount of privilege that we all have now to just be able to pick and choose which part of black culture we want to experience. And um, my final closing thought is don't be a culture vulture black fisher. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah. What do you think, Jay? (laughs) You know, I think that the first step is to take a look inside and to recognize your own biases. I think I still, I do this as a black person. It's integrated into American society because we are racist. Like, our our society is built on racism. And so I find moments where I I look at black people and and I think things that white people have told me to think about black people. And that's yeah, and still bad. Like, you know what I mean? And and so I think that for all of us, like black, white, whatever, like it is your duty to actively recognize how you understand the world based on what you've been told and to do your own research and to to understand things for yourself and not just be handed that. And then secondly, I think a an actionable item you can do this month, every month, as far as I'm concerned. Support black is, creatives. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it. Yeah, I mean, you know where it comes from. No problem if Ariana Grande is going to throw some lyrics in her song. But, like, maybe go give some black artists to listen. Maybe go buy, if you like the food that, you know, your local, I don't know, your town Panera. serves. And you know it's <laughs> like, I don't know, Panera food, pff. Black people do not claim Panera food. No, first of but all. like I love Panera. <laughs> yeah, black but people you know what I mean. Panera, like Panera has mac and cheese. <laughs> all right, that's a big stretch, but I feel you. Um, 
anyway, you know, so whenever you have the chance, you know, to actively support a black person doing something for themselves, um, and, and that is not in direct contrast with what you need or what you want, and you have that extra ability to give and help out that person, I'd say go for it, at least in February, see how it feels, probably will make you feel good about yourself too, so that's a win-win, but you know, um, that's just me, those are some actionable things that I would like to leave people with. Yeah, well, thank you everybody, um, this was our episode, make sure to check out our website at stitchfashion.com, we have a lot of articles coming out, and our issue is coming out soon, and make sure you also check out our Instagram at stitchfashion, and we now have a TikTok, so check that out too. Um, Thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, bye. Bye.